All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. You can do vagus nerve exercises all day long for hours at a time. That part of your brain that needs to stop being in fight, flight, freeze, or fawn won't stop. We have to deal with the emotional side in order to deal with the physical side and vice versa. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 202 of the Biohacker Babes. I am Lauren tuning in today from Maryland and I'm joined by my sister Renee Bells across the country. Hello, Las Vegas. Hello, hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. All right. We're in a new season. Yeah. Season nine. Let's go. All right, Nene, sis. <laughs> I want to know what your biggest takeaway was from today's interview. Actually, reframe. What is one thing that you feel like you'll start integrating that you learned from Adelina today? Hmm. I really like her tip of just taking one minute to like close your eyes and tune in with your body. This isn't necessarily like a new idea, but it's definitely something I don't practice on a regular basis. And even like I share in the episode, like I have learned, you know, my example of when I get a headache, I now know what that means, you know, and it's a sign. And I think just learning to tune into my body more um, to see what I really need. And just the the emotional side. I think like this is still a big part of my health journey that, you know, never ends is 
I have been always so guilty of like doing all the biohacks and like we talked about in episode 200, right? Less doing, more being. And I think um, I just, she has such a beautiful message about that, like the emotional side and how important it is to heal that side of it in order for all of the physical biohacks to work and, and stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was my, my thing. It's just, it's a never ending journey of that. How about you? Well, I think I, at first I just wanted to respond. I think a lot of us do know the tools, but we don't give them time. Or even if we do, we're not consistent with them. And I think that w- that was a takeaway. It's like trusting what your intu- intuition is telling you to do and then keep doing it. I think sometimes we're so fixed upon we want a result immediately. And if it doesn't work immediately, we give it up, such as meditation. Ugh, couldn't quiet my mind. Nothing came out of it. I'm bad at med- meditation. I'm going to move on. Look for another tool. But we have to be consistent. I really liked when we got into how how do we deal with someone that doesn't like someone's energy that doesn't resonate with us or a person we don't think really belongs in our space turning that into more of like an inquisitive situation rather than just i know for me i can very easy easily silently spiral oh this person is bothering me i don't want to be around them Ugh, you know i'm stewing on the inside probably a smile on my face reframing that and, and going oh what can I learn from this situation about myself? Like turning it back on yourself rather than just focusing on what you don't like, which I think very quickly can spiral out of control. Oh, I think that's sure. a, just like a really easy tool that we can use anytime, anywhere. So Definitely. I appreciated all of her little tips that we can just pull out of our pocket at any time. Yeah, she had so many great tips. Mm-hmm. Love that. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah, we love it. So we're excited to bring you Adelina East. She is an international lecturer, mental health and leadership expert, and multidimensional mentor, working with a global clientele to recover from trauma and bring forth innovative methods of healing. She is the founder of Transformational Healing. Adelina draws upon her neuroscience and counseling backgrounds, as well as her spiritual gifts to lead others through a neuroscience-backed process to retrain their brains, creating profound change. Adelina's decade-long career with the United Nations and other humanitarian aid organizations brought her to serve thousands of people in eight countries to overcome trauma and lead others to do the same. We think you will benefit immensely from this podcast. We certainly did. All right. Let's bring her on. Welcome, Adelina, to the Biohacker Babes podcast. So happy to have you here today. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing really well. How are you doing? We're doing great. Love your background. I know you're not in your home. You're uh, improving today, but you, you look perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much. I uh, I decided to go with an, a health experiment, actually, which was to move from a very big city into a very small town with lots of land and lots of nature and all the things that you're supposed to have for ideal and optimum health if you have health conditions as I do, but I can tell you that it has been eight months. I'm super over it. (laughs) And (laughs) last night when I heard that the road to my place was blocked, that was just another little sign that it's, it's time to move back to the city. Uh, I'm, I'm sure disadvantages and advantages. I said that backwards advantages and disadvantages. We'll start with the positive. (laughs) Yes. Yes. No one, one place is perfect, right? True. Very true. 
So we can certainly get into that a little bit later. Like, how do we decide for ourselves what the balance is for us? I know that's super important, but um, we're really excited to dig into the power of the mind and how our narratives really shape our reality and our expression of health. We know you love nerding out on neuroscience just as much as we do. So we're excited to explore how we can optimize our health by looking at the language of the mind, like the stories we're telling ourselves. So to drop in, I think first and foremost, can you explain how you got here? What is your background? What were your challenges and how are you doing what you're doing today? Yes. So I, you know, was raised in a really suburban environment. I had parents that were both musicians. My sister and I got to travel a lot growing up, which was incredible. And then I decided to become a staff member for the United Nations. And I worked for the United Nations for many years I trained as a social worker and therapist, and then I also trained as a neuroscientist. And I wasn't entirely sure why I was doing all of this work, all of this training, all of these degrees. I have too many degrees. But I realized once I got back to the States after living abroad with the UN for so many years that I had been doing all of this work to figure myself out. So when I returned to the States, I had a number of health crises, some that I'm still dealing with, but it's something that you all have helped me with so much. Um, When I returned, I realized that I felt sick most of the time, very nauseous, lots of headaches. I had four miscarriages in a row, which was traumatizing to say the least. And I was suffering from incredible PTSD, night terrors and screaming in my sleep and so much anxiety, so much OCD, I could not manage anymore. And so I went to 27 doctors, no one could figure out what was wrong. And finally, after a year and a half of being in a wheelchair, I could not walk anymore. And sometimes my feet wouldn't move. And sometimes it was just so much pain. And No one could really figure it out. After all of that, I tapped into my own resources. What is it that is troubling me? Because obviously something must be troubling me to have gotten to this point physically that no one can really figure out. I even was living in New York City at the time, and we have some of the best medical professionals in the world there, and they they were flummoxed. So I started doing a lot of the things that you all recommend, saunas trying to restore microbial balance, all of these types of things. And once I tapped into my own inner resources, I realized that a lot of this was related to my PTSD. A lot of it was taking on so much vicarious trauma of the people that I had been counseling for years, as well as the things that I went through in those countries. A lot happened to me in those countries. Uh, A lot happened to me throughout my whole career. And it was really meeting those things through the lens of what can I do about all of this emotional trauma that could possibly benefit my physical body? Of course, there were millions of things to do physically as well. um, But working on the emotional piece, I think, has helped me so much. I'm not at the end of my journey by any means. I still deal with uh, mold illness and something called multiple chemical sensitivity, as well as endometriosis. But I work on those things every single day. Mm. And that being able to see those things through the lens of my mental health helped me to create my healing modality called transformational healing, which I now work with people all over the world 
doing. Amazing. Well, Incredible. Thank you for sharing your your journey. And I think all of us are still on our health journey, right? It never really ends. Right. There's always something new to discover. So maybe you can yes. share a little bit more about what you do with clients. Like who who's your typical client? What are they coming to you for? Sure. So I have found that most of the people that I work with have tried a lot of other things. So maybe they've tried mainstream talk therapy already. They've probably tried a few different medications and those things haven't been so helpful for them. And so they're looking for something alternative, something a little bit outside of the mainstream. And so I offer two different things. I offer my modality, which is called transformational healing. And we spoke about this a bit on my podcast, but a lot of what it is, is taking an older story of trauma in your life and rewriting it in a way that is helpful and beneficial for you. I then believe deeply in spirituality and its ability to help us heal. And so I work with that particular client's spirit guides to bring forth certain messages and is also to use something called polyvagal toning. So the theory behind polyvagal toning is that we want to work with our 10th cranial nerve. It's called the vagus nerve. And it needs constant attention. It's like the little baby in our lives. And so when we're constantly focused on toning the vagus nerve, it eventually becomes a source of health and wellness for us. It can help us to calm down that fight or flight freeze response. It can help lower our heart rate. It can actually lower our blood pressure. So one of the great things about working with polyvagal toning is that just by using the sound of your own voice and certain sounds and focusing on the origination of those sounds sort of near the base of the throat and inside the nasal passages, you can tone that 10th cranial nerve, the vagus nerve, which can bring your body into that rest and digest state. And so a large part of transformational healing is not only rewriting that older traumatic story, but also using these specific tones with specific hand motions like the, the mudras and yoga at the same time in a specific way for each person in order to bring about healing in their mind, body, and spirit. So that's one avenue. The other avenue is that I use EMDR trauma therapy, which I know you've both spoken about before, but for those who are not aware, it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And mainly what it does is it works with your brain's natural ability to self-heal. So you only tell the traumatic story once or not at all. And then you begin to tap into the feelings associated with that. You create a new belief about the situation that is empowering and helpful for you. And then your EMDR therapists help you to move through those feelings and to get to the other side to hold that more positive belief about yourself and about the situation. And all of this takes place through eye movement. So some therapists will move their fingers back and forth and have you track their fingers with your eyes. Some therapists use buzzers, some therapists use sound. It's really up to the client and what works best for them. Really, really so cool, cool stuff. I think yeah. it's fascinating. The the vagus nerve is kind of the common denominator. Your nervous system is so powerful. And I think when it comes to trauma, actually, first, I wanted to say, like, you are really talking your talk. 
Like your language is very calming and very focused. And so it resonates. I'm like, I get it. I feel it. So thank you for that. But when it comes to trauma, I think that word, there's such a spectrum of trauma. And when you say the word trauma, even just hearing the word can be a little bit triggering. People think, Mm-hmm. I don't have trauma, but because it exists on a spectrum, there's so many little things, micro traumas that we could pick up over time. And so it's how do we even begin that discussion or conversation around trauma if it's not so present or, uh, you know, labeled? It's not it's not necessarily right. diagnosed, but it's showing up in our physiology, perhaps infertility, mm-hmm. weight loss resistance. There's all, all these potential health issues where it could come up. What's right. the beginning of that conversation? So I was actually thinking of you both the other day. Um, Someone asked me a similar question. And I thought about this post of yours a few weeks back about fertility and hormones and how we can help our hormones, which I think is the unique position that you two bring to the table because so many biohackers are men. And they're Mm -hmm. like, yeah, just, you know, sauna for an hour, jump in an ice bath. Like, I mean, that sounds okay, but I know (laughs) that when I do that, my period is going to be mega late. So that cannot be good for, you know? Um, And so I love that the two of you view all biohacking things through the lens of like, yes, we're women. We have very different hormones. We have to do certain things differently. And that's just the way it is. What I have noticed in my female clients or those with vaginas is that if you are a menstruating person and you're undergoing some kind of emotional trauma, even if there's no physical adjunct, like let's say you got into a car accident, you were absolutely fine. You walked out of the car accident. Okay. But the first thing I notice is that my clients have missed periods or they have a super heavy period or a super light period or a period that is not their norm you know, and it's different for all of us. Like I have had endometriosis for years, so mine is super heavy. So if I suddenly had a really light period, I would know, okay, well, I'm not processing my emotions about something. What is going on here? And I find that this is kind of nice, but there's a change. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. And I find that you know, because our lives are so busy, especially if you're in the phase of life where you're taking care of kids and working and fostering a partnership with another human being, it can be, your life can be so busy that you almost don't notice the things that happen to you that may feel traumatic later on. I tend to work with so many women who are in their fifties and sixties, not because nothing ever happened to them until then. It's just that they didn't have time (laughs) to really think about it and to notice like, oh, there's a reason I won't take the highway unless it's a live or die kind of situation. It's because I got into that car accident with the kids in the car in my 40s. That was super traumatic. I want to work through this so that I can just take the highway when it makes sense again. And so I say all of this not only to to kind of um, perk up the ears of the the women who listen to this podcast and noticing our fertility changes, but also notice that it may, I mean, there probably is a physical cause as well, and that should definitely be investigated, but there may be an emotional cause too. And there's, I always like to say, there's no such thing as little T trauma. If it's a trauma, it's a trauma. I mean, it's different for all of us. Some people are more sensitive than others. Some people are just born with more, kind of heaped upon their shoulders than others. And so I don't really look at things as a little T or big T trauma. I think anything can be traumatic to the person who's experiencing it. 
Mm. So Mm. definitely look out for those hormonal changes. Secondly, I would say um, for all people, regardless of what bodies you have, the next thing would be headaches or digestive problems. That tends to be kind of phase two. So once you've ignored the fertility issues or the period stuff, if you move on to the phase of headaches or stomach aches, there's probably something lurking there that may need to be developed. And the thing that I like so much about using our bodies as the the indicator for us is that they cannot lie, right? <laughs> like we can lie to ourselves really easily. I think we've all gotten great at it, especially after the last two years of like being at home just with partners and kids and that kind of thing. We all have gotten great at being like, yeah, I'm all right. I'm totally fine. I've got this. This is no problem at all. But the body doesn't lie. So if you have body things going on, I think it's always worthwhile to explore the emotional angle too. Mm -hmm. I think I heard you say, I think it was on one of your podcasts, um, the whole process of saying, I'm okay. And I don't know, it seems like it's maybe more of a female thing. Like, oh no, I'm okay. I'm okay. But that's maybe something that we learned in childhood. Yes, this is what it was. You were explaining how like if a kid falls on the playground and the parents like, you're okay, Mm -hmm. you're okay. That we've been trained to maybe just push any symptoms off to the side. Right. I can see some benefit, right? We're staying optimistic. I'm okay. But are we just putting things aside that we should be addressing? And usually the answer is yes. And I think that's why so many of my clients skew a bit older because then they finally have time <laughs> to address things <laughs> to look when at kids it. are in college, you know? Yeah. And I think it is it's a balance, right? Because we want to be positive. We don't want to say, oh, you know, especially I think I was talking about children in that episode about how if your child falls, you can say, How are you doing? You okay? Instead of saying, like, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. Uh, just because we want to genuinely check in and see how that is, but we can apply that to ourselves too. Like, how are you feeling today? What does your body feel like? What do your emotions feel like? What is happening on the inside? And as we do that little one minute check-in, as soon as we wake up, we can take action that day to address whatever is coming up so that we don't put it off until we're in our fifties and sixties. We've lost a lot of our life by then. We've lost a lot of the time that we could have been having joy by then. Yeah. I completely agree. It's interesting in my history of journaling, anytime I try to do more of like a somatic journaling, like checking in with the body, the initial response is I feel good. I don't know. What am I supposed to be feeling? And there's (laughs) layers, there's layers. It's like the longer you sit there, it's like, oh, that's kind of talking to me. Okay, I don't know what that is, but it's something. I'm going to put it on the paper. Sit a little bit longer. Okay. Oh. I'm there's I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's saying, but there's a sensation and it's something to pay attention to. But I think peeling back those layers because our society, our culture has not really taught us to pay attention to those signals is really hard. So yes. do you have any tips, tricks, magic for starting to yes. tune into the body? Yes. Uh, So I love to use something called somatic experiencing. It was created by a bunch of really brilliant people. Uh, I won't go too much into the history, but basically what somatic experiencing can bring us is wisdom based on our body. So for example, 
I just take a deep breath. If you're not driving, you could try this. Close your eyes and just be in your body and see first how difficult it is to get in there because so many of us live in our heads. I know I do, trying to think about the next thing, trying to plan the next meal or the next grocery trip or the next vacation, whatever it is that we've got going on. And then once you can feel yourself really being in your body, tune into your stomach and see what that feels like. And then tune into your chest and see what that feels like. And then tune into your shoulders and see what they feel like. And then tune into your head and see what that feels like. And then if you want to even go a step further, if you're willing to be just a bit out there, you can try talking to whatever part of your body is communicating with you. So if you're having pain, that's your body's way of communicating. It's sending that pain through your nerves to let you know that something is off. And so you can just gently ask that part of the body, what's going on? Why are you upset? So I'll give you a second to do that. And then just thank that body part for sharing with you. And open your eyes when you're ready. And if you are so far out there to do these things with me, you can find out incredible information I think we all have an intuitive ability. We all have an intuition in our bodies. Our bodies are incredibly wise. And so if you are able to tune into one specific body part, we call this parts work, that body part can tell you what's going on with it. It's, it's a process. It may not happen immediately. But over time, as you keep asking your head or your stomach or your feet, why are you hurting? What's happening? Over time, you will begin to hear them trying to tell you what's going on. And you can take action steps from that. If your stomach hurts or if your head hurts, maybe you're anxious. Maybe there's something you're nervous about that's coming up. And then you can use certain vagus nerve retraining exercises to be able to calm your body down. As your body calms down, that trauma response also calms down. Mm. Mm. Thank you for saying that it takes time because I think that's the piece yeah. that makes people feel defeated. They're like, I sat here, I did it, and nothing yes. came up. But yeah. you know, if your intuition isn't used to talking, it's not going to feel super confident to speak loud and clear. Very so true. It, do you think the best way forward is to kind of just keep that question? Maybe it's like, what do you want to show me? And just keep asking, mm -hmm. keep asking. I think so, because we are, I mean, I can't speak for all of your listeners, but I can say the three of us are based here in the U.S. Our culture is an immediate gratification culture. I have mm -hmm. a pain. Let me take an opioid. Yeah. That is not solving the root cause. Right. Exactly. That's not solving the root cause of the pain. What's the root cause? Do you have toxins built up? Do you need to sauna? Do you need to start taking a binder? Like what's going on? You know? And I believe in root cause therapy as well. So let's get to the root. 
And I don't think that it's possible to get to the root in one second. It happens sometimes, but it does sometimes take time. And I think a lot of the things that you all share about biohacking, those are also things where you see the benefits over time. You know, you feel fantastic after one sauna session or one Pilates class, but like to really feel that all the time, you have to be consistent. You have to keep doing it. And I think that's what a lot of mental health is too. It's a daily practice of tuning into yourself and figuring out what's going on. It's like you're your own detective. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. It does take time. And something that is standing out to me is I don't get headaches often, but when I do, I can almost immediately tie it back to something. It was a stressful event. It was a lack of sleep. I need electrolytes. Mm -hmm. I need water. I need to sweat it out Mm -hmm. in the sauna. Like I can actually feel that. So I'm like, thank you for the message, the horrible pain in my head. Thank you. Yeah, I got it. I'm going to go do the thing I need to do instead of taking a painkiller and overriding it and pushing through. Um, So yeah, that I think that's so interesting. The more we can tune into those signals, the body is amazing. And I also think the body is amazing. And I just applaud you, Renee, for doing it that way, because I think that causes so many fewer health issues later on in our lives right? If we're forever feeling a headache and just taking some Advil and moving on, which we all have to do sometimes. I mean, there are days when we have to, right? But if we're able to not and to go sweat it out in the sauna or do whatever we need to, you know, drink a coconut water, whatever the current electrolyte greatness is, we can prevent future problems just by listening to our body every single day and taking care of it every single day. And the same is true for our mental health. If we're around a person who feels bad to us, like we physically feel ill or in a bad mood after spending time with them, that's feedback. You know, after that happens twice, let's say you can say, all right, that is not a good person for me to be around. Like if it's a work thing, I'll, you know, do what I have to do, but not any extra talking. And if I don't ever have to see them again, I won't. Yeah. Mm, The next step of that is honoring the feedback. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because what if it's a person that you have to be around? I know. How do you actually? This is maybe my next question. Like, how do yeah. you? I don't know if the right word is shield yourself from someone else's energy. If if it is someone that you can't avoid and you do yes. feel that way, how do you not take that energy on? Hey, biohackers! Here is a fun pop quiz for you. How many sailors throughout history died from scurvy caused by a vitamin C deficiency during the time of Columbus? A, 20,000, B, 200,000, C, 2 million. Do you have your answer? All right, drum roll, please. The answer is 2 million. Can you believe 2 million people had to die before we figured out this vitamin deficiency? Here's where it gets even crazier. There is another little-known deficiency right now, potentially hurting millions of people around the world. And the disease it's causing, amongst potentially many things, it is causing insomnia. According to a study published by Academic Press, magnesium deficiency is a leading cause in sleep disruption in both children and adults. The problem is, not just any magnesium will do. Recent studies have shown that there are actually seven different forms of magnesium, and our body needs them in the precisely right balance for proper sleep. 
There's really only one magnesium supplement on the market that has the full spectrum of all seven forms, and it is called Magnesium Breakthrough. I know you have heard us talk about it because we love this product so much. I have to tell you, when I take this stuff, I just feel complete, like my body is finally getting something that it's been desperately needing for a long time. If you want to learn more about this formulation, Magnesium Breakthrough, you can go to magbreakthrough.com backslash biohackerbabes and use the code biohackerbabes10 to get 10% off your first bottle. If it doesn't fix your sleep, your digestion, and energy levels like it did for us, Or if you're not satisfied for any reason, they will give you a very prompt and courteous refund on the spot guaranteed. Again, to check it out, go to magbreakthrough.com backslash biohackerbabes and use our code biohackerbabes10 to get 10% off of your first bottle. There is a very good chance that this is the missing link that your body has been craving, and we do not want you to miss out. All right, biohackers, let's get back to the show. That is so challenging. Um, and I have a few different techniques. I can share a couple of them with you here if that's okay. Um, so I think we all have those, I think we all have those people either in our family or perhaps in our partner's family or a friend's family that we spend a lot of time with. So let's look at it from that perspective. Like we do have to see this person. There's no way out really. I mean, I guess we could say I'm not going over there anymore, but it would probably cause more troubles than it's worth. So Mm -hmm. Let's say you have to go to a family function with some people you don't enjoy on the on your spouse's side of the family. Try your very best to not chat with them. Try to chat with the other people that are around, which I feel probably everyone already does. But then as you start to feel their energy affecting you, if you're sensitive and you can feel that kind of thing, one technique that I use all the time because I am so empathic and I feel everybody's everything is I will excuse myself to the bathroom. And I close my eyes and I just sort of ask all of my spirit guides to be around me. I put my hand on my chest and then I push my hand up towards the sky and I just say, this is not mine. This is not mine. This is not mine. Just physically and emotionally pushing that negative energy away from you and up to what I like to call the place of iridescent light, you know, so I don't have to deal with it anymore. And there are times when I have to do it maybe two or three times around that person, but it does make you feel better. It's not a permanent fix, but it does make you feel better for a while. The other thing that I would recommend is try to use your interactions with that person as like a little investigation of yourself again. So why does this person bother me? See if you can even sit down and make a list of what bothers you. And then try to see if you can link some of those things back to trauma from your past. Did you grow up with this? Was it hard on you? Do you have other friends that you've watched go through something similar? And every time you feel this way, you think of that friend and what they've been through and you feel horrible for them. Are there other things in your life that are bringing this same feeling around? And then if you have a friendly EMDR therapist, as I am, you can take that list to your EMDR therapist and say, okay, these are, this is my stuff. So once I deal with my side of the street, like the the things about this person that kind of link back to previous traumas in my life, it will feel better. It won't feel great because you just generally don't like the person, but some of what you don't like is usually linked to something from the past, I've found. 
Yeah, that's always been the most humbling part of therapy. Mm-hmm. No, we're not going to talk about what everyone else is doing. We're going to talk about me. <laughs> you, exactly. Yeah, Because we can't ever change that person, right? As much as we want them to not be awful to us, we can't really do anything about them. So we have to start mm-hmm. with us. And then if you do that, that work and you notice that that person is still just terrible to you, it may be time to excuse yourself as much as you can. You know, if it's a family gathering situation, maybe you just go to Christmas and that's it. Whatever you can do to kind of leave that person far away from you, if it's Mm, possible. Got it. Yeah. Great. I really like that process. Creating a safe space, excusing yourself and releasing what you need to, but being really Mm -hmm. curious. What can I learn from this? Again, the feedback is so powerful. Yes. And then we get to decide, is this person for me or not? Right. Really powerful. Because if we try to decide, I mean, there are some people that we could decide right now. Uh, Let's be realistic, (laughs) right? We know that Mm -hmm. it's just like (laughs) you are too much for me. I can't handle it. But I mean, if there are, if there's a way for us to handle our side of the street and to also get something out of it, I mean, that's always preferable, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's always been such an interesting thing. Kind of like, I guess it's the mirror, you know, is it, am I seeing something in them that I actually don't like about myself or whatever? You have to like really look inwards. You're like, oh my gosh. It's, yeah. it can me. be scary. It can be scary. It's very, yeah. very scary. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I agree. So with the trauma, the rewriting of the story, this idea is so interesting to me. Yes. So I have heard other people try to work through this and they say, well, I can't rewrite the story because it's already written. It It's in the past. It happened. But we okay. can rewrite it, Right. We're not, you know, because a lot of what happened in the past, it's your perspective, your storytelling of what happened. So how can we help people rewrite the past, their story to change their their perspective? Let's let, let me give you a real life example. So this is something that comes up a lot in my practice. So let's say that someone has passed away, right? We can't really rewrite that story. The person has passed away we could rewrite it. So you're going to wake up tomorrow and go have coffee with them, but that's cruel because it's not going to happen. So how can we rewrite this trauma of this death? What I would normally do first is go through with the client exactly what happened. So death in itself is traumatizing, but what is often more traumatizing is either the feeling that you missed out on saying what you wanted to say to the person the feeling that you didn't get to say goodbye or the feeling that they had something they needed to say to you that they didn't get to say, like the unfinished business thing. So what we can do, and this is the beauty of blending neuroscience and spirituality, what we can do is go into a meditative state together. I meditate first with everyone so that they're in a very, very um, easy theta brainwave. Theta brainwave is like a, almost a dream state where you can create new memories, but you're also without inhibition, without self-consciousness. You're just very open to new suggestion. So we go into that brain state and then they can rewrite what happened around the death. So for example, if the person had unfinished business with the deceased They can talk to that person and share whatever they needed to share, apologize, whatever they had to do that they feel they didn't get to do. 
they can hear from that person's soul through me as a channel or even through their own intuition, what they now see that they have passed and that things are different. As this happens, what I've found, and I'm consistently doing research on my my modality, transformational healing, what we can see in a SPECT scan of a person's brain while this rewriting is happening is we can actually see decreased activity in the prefrontal cortex, which means um, obsessions, repetitive thought loops, those kinds of things slow way down, which is incredible. That's exactly what we want. And then we can see parts of the limbic brain, which are the parts that create new neural pathways. It's also the parts of the brain that handle emotion and memory. Those start to light up again. So often in someone who has PTSD or is suffering from post-traumatic stress in some way, a lot of that looks really quiet on a SPECT scan of the brain. But once they're able to rewrite it in such a way that it is healing for them, like being able to finish unfinished business with a deceased person or rewriting a childhood story in a way that is empowering for them instead of demeaning or abusive, that hippocampus and amygdala region of the limbic brain start to light up again. And we can see that they are creating a new memory, which I just think is the most incredible thing. Like if we could all walk around all day, just rewriting different things that happen to us throughout the day that we don't love, that would be fantastic. Sadly, we don't have enough time to do that. And we don't know how the brain would respond if that was all we did all day. But I think doing it once a week for an hour is a fabulous idea. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I want to learn more about these brain scans and is the objective feedback, is that useful in the healing process for the client patient to see, or is that more just for your research purposes? I always think it's useful for clients to see every test they ever have done. I mean, you guys do a lot of testing with your clients too. It's But I don't for share them. everything. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Right. Because sometimes it's not going to support the narrative depending on their emotional true. state. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I share every SPECT scan because I know that it's going to help them to see that there's progress happening. Uh, A lot of the story that we've been fed in our society here in the U.S. anyway, is that there are certain things that you can't heal. You know, if you get cancer, you're probably going to die. If you have PTSD, you might be the gorked out guy living in the back of a van someday. You know, there's a lot of narrative in our society about symptom management because there's a lack of healing. I don't subscribe to that at all. And so I think that it's really important for my clients to see visual data that shows them that they're healing. And that's not really something you can do in psychotherapy. I mean, all you can, you can kind of observe your behavior and say like, Oh, I used to get so upset when this person said something like this. And now I don't get upset anymore. That's great data to have, but for those of us who are more skeptical, it's sometimes not enough, right? I'm a neuroscientist. I love the data. I want all the data. And so for people like me, I think seeing their SPECT scan is really enlightening for people because then they get to see like, oh, all this work that I've been putting in is making a change. Like I am actually getting out of my thought loops, my obsessive thoughts. I'm actually making new memories over the top of old ones that I will hold more dear and more consciously. 
And that in turn changes our behavior because then we're just coming at it from a completely different angle. Mm -hmm. That seems super valuable because I assume that current reality would not really recognize a past reality. So how can you compare? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I, on previous brain scans I've had done, it always comes up that I have a lot of delta, a lot of delta waves. And so I've been told I have a sleepy brain. That's (laughs) and why you're the sleep queen. I would say you have a brain that's geared towards meditation, which is awesome. Oh, okay. She's a movie maker. You really should be a, a movie producer, Renee. Because she oh, creates cool. some vivid stuff. In my dreams. I, oh, yeah, that's I, cool. Yeah. I'm like, my husband and I were joking if we could develop like an AI app that would turn my dreams into yeah. movies, it would be really easy for me to show how crazy my brain is while I'm sleeping. But <laughs> no, some, yeah, the Delta waves, I definitely, I sleep really well. But something I have learned is not just meditation, Good. but like I use the brain tap device, which I can specifically focus on theta waves. When I do that, I like come to life. I'm more open. Like you said, the more open, I'm more creative. I can think clearer. Mm -hmm. My energy's better. So I just have to like keep getting out of that delta more into that theta. And it's cool to see the data. Absolutely. I love that we have all of these different gadgets now that can help us figure this stuff out. Can you imagine 20 years ago having had this conversation? It would never have, you'd never know about your delta waves. No, and, and actually, scan was like a. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and and fifteen years ago, I actually I didn't have any kind of brain scan, but my first eye opening experience to this was it was when I was uh, soon after I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. Couldn't no one you know again no one could figure out what was going on. All the doctors, your lab work looks fine, everything. Our dad mm-hmm. found this thing called the light portal. And it's this big like bed you lay in and it's using crystals, vibration, binaural beats, color therapy. 15 years ago, I was like, okay, dad, I'll try it, whatever. And so I would go in there for an hour and I had all of that thing, all of those things I was just saying, right? The the creativity. I'm like creating marketing plans in my brain. Like what is happening? Like I'm not like a creative marketing type, you know? And and that was my first experience of, oh, when we support the parasympathetic nervous system, we get into more of that theta wave state, that's where yes. I can thrive. But I had never experienced yes. that before because I was always like the type A, go, 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 never sat still. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it'd be cool to see what my brain waves were back then, but it was still a pretty cool I know. I wish we could know. <laughs> yeah. Um, no one really used spec skins back then also. So we couldn't. Yeah. I mean, I think we had them 15 years ago, but it was like so much money and no one really used it. But I would be interested to see a spec scan from back then too, just to see like what areas of your brain were most active when you were in theta state. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we talk all the time. It's like, if we we could have all the data from our entire life, we could go back. Oh, I would pay millions for that. (laughs) I know. I know. That would be so so cool. cool. Hey, biohackers, Renee and I are so excited to share with you the Quantified Collective. We just joined this amazing community. We are leaning into wearable health technology while embracing data sovereignty. So it is a community that we all own, and we're really leaning into optimizing our health potential together as a community. Now we brought on Dr. Kyle Berquist, who is going to tell you all of the magic about the Quantified Collective. Welcome, Kyle. 
Thank you, guys. Laura and Renee, so good to see you. The Quantified Collective is truly looking to revolutionize health and wellness. This is a huge moonshot that we're all on together. It's a trillion-dollar mission, but the collective really does envision a world where peer-to-peer medicine is the norm, right? If we can decentralize uh, citizen science and create a true new paradigm in healthcare, I think we've met our mission. Uh, We are going to harness wearable technology and other cutting-edge technologies and labs to learn more about ourselves and then be able to teach each other what's working and what's not working. We really see that the collective has the ability to build a truth machine for health and wellness that empowers every individual with knowledge so they can make informed decisions about what's working for their well-being. Uh, Here's the best part. It's open to all of us. So whether you're a seasoned researcher, you're a passionate biohacker, or someone just really eager to contribute to a meaningful community, we welcome you right? We want you with us. So uh, we want to break open silos. We want to allow everyone to own their own data. And we want to collaborate with everybody so that we can create this extraordinary mission together. Let's reshape healthcare. Let's reorganize the way things are being done. Uh, So come create the future with us. We would love to have you. To learn more uh, and become part of the Quantified Collective, visit the website at quantifiedcollective.org and sign up to join us today. Thanks, Kyle, for taking the time to share that with our audience today. And let's get back to the show. I wanted to circle back to root cause therapy because I love this, like really being curious and searching. And I believe it is never a singular cause. Mm -hmm. It's causes that act together. We talked about trauma and somatics and emotional stuff. Sometimes there is environmental triggers. Sometimes there are biochemical triggers. And I think we have to address all of them, right? And it could be a combination of all, but I'm curious what you're seeing with trauma and its association with inflammation. Because I think there is an emotional trigger that creates a physical expression. Yes. So my first question to you all is, do you believe in epigenetics? Yes. I'm going to answer your question with a question. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we have the ability to turn our genes on and off, right? Or have them express in different yeah. ways by what we do. Me too. 100%. And thank you for that definition, Renee. That was beautiful. <laughs> um, I was talking to someone yesterday who doesn't believe in epigenetics. I was like, really? Well, I, like I, I, did, I couldn't even answer your question because I'm like, what? What do you mean? What are they, they don't believe yeah. in <laughs> what, what does that <laughs> mean? <laughs> your genes are a death sentence? Yeah. Is that what that means? Yeah. Yeah. That's what thank, that means. But it was a good conversation not. for me. <laughs> I know, right? Mm-hmm. It was a great conversation for me also just to feel even stronger in my own belief system and the research that I've done for years and years. So for those of you who are listening who maybe are not tuned into epigenetics, I have a couple of book recommendations, but one of them is called The Biology of Belief. And then if you've ever read anything, Dr. Joe Dispenza, he pretty much talks about it all the time. So What I've found is that those who believe in epigenetics, who realize that a lot of their genes turning on and off has to do with their lifestyle, their beliefs about themselves, their beliefs about their future. I've noticed that those people do tend to get very inflamed when they're going through a trauma. And life is not trauma-free for anyone. Every single person in the whole world has had at least one trauma and most people, many more. So it's not as if we can just say, 
Well, I'm going to avoid inflammation for my my whole life because nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. That would be awesome. It's not the case. So we have to kind of learn how to deal with the fact. And I use the word fact because there are so many studies that link trauma and inflammation. We have to deal with the fact that there will be something at some point that will be traumatic to us that will cause inflammation in our bodies. The great thing about you all is that you share with people all the time how to handle that. Like you have about a million suggestions for how to handle different kinds of inflammation in different areas of the body. But you also talk about how to treat it holistically with things like your aura ring, with things like your, um, I think you all were talking about sleep last week or a couple of weeks ago, like everyone needs to learn how to sleep better. Everyone needs to learn how to have the right environment for sleep and get fresh sunlight the minute they wake up and all of those things. But dealing with inflammation in the brain is really, it can be really intense. So one of the things that I've found over time with clients is that when you're going through a big trauma, when it's something that you never could have imagined would happen to you, let's say, death of a child, death of a spouse, um, a relationship breakup that was so solid that you could never imagine a day where you would not be in that relationship anymore. I've noticed that the inflammation starts in the body. So oftentimes the people that I'm working with will come to me with uh, knowing what their emotional stuff is that's going on. But then throughout the course of our first or second conversation, I learned that they also have rheumatoid arthritis, where they have lupus, or they have some other, you know, disease, I'm going to use the words disease for which there is no cure, which I personally do not believe. I'm not saying everything can be cured with the modern American drugs that we have, but I am saying everybody can feel better. Especially with autoimmune, which is like the body doesn't feel safe, right? Yes. And for me as a therapist, autoimmune usually means that you've turned on yourself emotionally in some way just putting that out there. Mm -hmm. And so as we're dealing with the inflammation of the emotions, we have to also deal with the inflammation of the body. And there have been so many studies, especially in the last five years, a lot of really great work is coming out of UCLA about this, about how when your body is in a traumatized state, you get into that fight, flight, freeze, or fawn mode very quickly. And then your body just kind of stays there, amping up inflammation all the time. And that can result, and based on our own unique biology of every single person, that can result in diabetes or heart disease, or for some people, it's autoimmune. It's different for everyone. But from from my perspective, the only way to truly, truly turn down the dial on that inflammation is to start to, to deal with the emotional trauma. Because until you deal with that, you can do vagus nerve exercises all day long. You can sit in a sauna for hours at a time, that part of your brain that needs to stop being in fight, flight, freeze, or fawn won't stop. And so we have to deal with the emotional side in order to deal with the physical side and vice versa. They inform each other. They're both important. And so I've always felt like one of my dreams in life would be to have some kind of fully holistic practice virtually and in a building where we have nutritionists, biohackers, therapists, and medical functional medicine doctors who are into root cause. Because I think that without all of those pieces, healing just takes a lot longer. And we have this one life. Let's live. Mm -hmm. 
You do. You need to put all the minds on the table because I think every practitioner has blind spots. The client patient has blind spots. And with root causes, it's like you have to keep going around the wheel. And I guess I'm I'm curious to go a little bit further. I I kind of believe it's like chicken or the egg, because if you do have this emotional trauma and affects the vagus nerve, then we have this disrupted highway, gut brain access, where we actually Mm -hmm. can create leaky gut. I don't believe that just emotional therapy is going to heal your leaky gut. So it is like going around the wheel. We have to keep addressing. Yeah. Yes. I actually was working with a client who had really bad leaky gut symptoms. I am not a medical doctor at all, but I've been through so much medical stuff because of my illness and my background of working for the UN and neuroscience that I can, I kind of get like an intuitive sense about it. And I ask the person if we can talk about their physical health first. And if they say yes, I say, have you been evaluated for leaky gut? Do you have anybody that you do have a doctor you trust or a nurse practitioner or a nutritionist, anybody in your life that could do some testing for this? Just because I believe in testing. I don't believe in just taking random supplements and trying to figure it out. And she, of course, did have leaky gut, but I've found that the way leaky gut often manifests in a therapeutic way is that there's leaking of past trauma all over their current lives. So it's almost like a metaphor, Uh. like there was a whole lot going on with her marriage, with her children, and it was leaky trauma from the past that was just coming out everywhere, just like the contents of her gut, so to speak. I know that sounds terrible, but... Um, no, that's really cool analogy. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. I found that it often there are correlations between certain things. Are you all familiar with Carolyn Miss? Mm-mm. Do you know who oh. she is? <gasps> oh, please oh. get her book soon. She okay. um she wrote she wrote this book, and I can't for the life of me think of what it's called, but you can't miss it. It's gonna come up first on Amazon if you search Carolyn it. Carolyn Miss. Well, I have Google. Miss. Let's see. Miss. Is that M-I-S-S? Yes. Is it her archetype book? Maybe. Anatomy of the Spirit? Sacred Context? Anatomy of the Spirit. We'll share. Anatomy of the Spirit. So that will show, there's a whole list in the back of that book that's like, if you have foot pain, it's fear of moving forward. If you have leaky gut, you're leaking trauma everywhere. She's she's, um, not a medical practitioner. She's not even a therapist. She just has this instinctive, intuitive ability to kind of link physical maladies with the emotional problem. And I love that so much. I don't find her to always be right, but no one is always right. You know, I feel like 80% is the most we can hope for. So she's a pretty incredible person. I highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. I mean, the possibility is not always guaranteed, but I definitely love that kind of theory. It taps into the chakra systems, right? Like a that a too. physical yes. issue could be in that same area of the body, could be emotional. Yes. It's everything we've been talking about. Yes. So just keep asking. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. I mean, as we always say on the show, the holistic approach is just so, so important. And and even like it speaking is. of the chakra system, I think of like our dad, who's a biological dentist, and how like all of the teeth are tied to organs, meridians, chakras, you know, and it's like, is it something coming out? through the tooth expressing there, or is it the other mm-hmm. way? Is it something going on with the tooth impacting an organ or anything else? So everything. I, so, I so agree with that. A little personal story. I just have to tell you, 
I had, uh, I have all kinds of tooth gum problems from quite frankly, not going to the dentist for years. When I was working abroad, I went to a couple of dentists and it was always kind of a trying, terrifying experience. And so I just sort of stopped and I didn't go for a couple of years. Um, so I'm dealing with the backlash from that now. So I had to have a gum graft, which is so gross for those of you who are not aware of what that is. They scrape some of the roof of your mouth off and then sew it in to one of your gums. It's, oh God, it's so painful. But the teeth that, that my periodontist was working with, the gum graft had to go on the one that's linked to the liver meridian. Your liver is what cleanses all of the pesticides that I was exposed to at work that have left me with all of these systemic impairments. And I just thought that was so fascinating. I was like, well, of course it's tied to the liver. That makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. We've heard a lot of s- similar stories like that. Yeah. And the, and the dental anxiety, a lot, that's a very, very common thing. People just stop going because it's traumatic. Be traumatic. <laughs> It, there's another yes. trauma, dental trauma. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Well, Adelina, thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. You've certainly put a lot in my mind to think about on my health journey as it continues. If you can leave our audience with one final piece of advice, that would be great. Something that they could start doing today to optimize their health yes. and wellness. I would say this, uh, and I know this seems kind of like a task to do. But I would say, since we talked about the difficult person in your life that you might have to always be in contact with, I would say, think of that as your life right now. So what are the things that you're trying to tackle? What are the challenges that you're trying to overcome? And then try to link each one of those to something that happened in the past that was traumatic for you. And then you can start working on those things even on your own, if you don't have access to therapy, that's okay. You can start working on those things on your own just by being aware that it has a link to your past. That alone will likely change your behavior today. Mm. Love wow. that. Okay. Thank you for the homework assignment. It's so good. Yeah. I'm in <laughs> for it. I'm in for it. Um, Thank you. So yeah, tell our audience where they can find more of you. If they want to work with you, tell them all the things. Okay. Well, I'm hosting a Vegas nerve class in July and we'll include the link below here, I believe. And I'd love to see all of you there. You can also find me on Instagram at Adelina East. I spell my name a little differently, A-D-A-L-I-N-A East. And my web address is AdelinaEast.com. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. So wonderful to chat. Thank you so much. I love your work so much. Both of you, thank you for being in the world. Really, thank you. Likewise, you as well. Thank you. Very grateful. So glad that we connected. (laughs) And thanks to everyone that tuned in today. We will see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.